What is going on everyone? It is Mason Pierce here, host of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. And I want to let y'all know about a little secret, and it's called Anchor by Spotify. It is one of the new and easiest ways to make your own podcast with everything you need all in one single place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the comfort of your phone or computer. And also, when you are hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and whatever platform you choose to post it on. It's everything you need to make a podcast in just one single place. And the best part of all, Anchor is totally free to use. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Get started creating your own podcast or start hosting on a very up-and-coming new platform. Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back to another episode of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. And in today's episode, we are joined by former SMU Mustang and current TCU Horn Frog offensive lineman, Alon Ali. Alon, how are you feeling, my guy? And thank you for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, I'm feeling good. I appreciate you for having me on. I'm excited to talk to you. Absolutely. I appreciate you once again. And kind of a funny thing that I just learned about Alon is that me and Alon are both from Keller, Texas. I didn't even realize that. And so I started looking up a little bit more. And coincidentally, we come from the same exact high school in Keller, Texas, which is called Timber Creek High School. But anyways, enough about me. Let's talk a little bit about you, Alon, and kind of let the you know listeners know, you know, where are you from, kind of why you got into football and just the little details that, you know, people may not know about you. Yeah, so I'm born and raised in Keller, Texas. Obviously, went to we both went to Timber Creek. Um, I started playing football when I was seven, I think. Uh, just always been a super competitive kid, and uh, I was obviously bigger back then than most people. So you know, I got put into football. You know, fell in love with it right away. Um, it was football and basketball growing up. And, you know, I got to high school, had to pick, uh, decided to pick football. So, yeah, that's how I got into it. So when you were growing up in football, were you always on offense and defensive side of the football or uh, line? My bad. Were you always on the offensive and defensive line going in football? Or Because or, I remember Brandon told me that he played quarterback a little bit when he started playing football. So were there any other positions that you played growing up through youth football? No. Uh, yeah, I was just D-line, O-line. You know, I tried the quarterback thing. I think every, you know, every kid wants to try yeah. it out. But, uh, yeah, I was always too big. So I had to play O-line. So so throughout middle school, you know, did you know from that instance or like did your coaches kind of get an idea that, hey, you're going to be, you know, at least a three-year starter on varsity and that, you know, that you would be able to get, you know, as recruited as you were? Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's, I was trying to make a decision between basketball and football because I love basketball too. But so my offensive coordinator – um, Coach Judd in high school, my sophomore year, he's like, hey, or my freshman year of high school, he's like, hey, uh, I think you got a shot to play the next level of football if you take it seriously. So, you know, I heard that and I was like, all right, well, I'm on board with it. So that's absolutely amazing. You got to love coaches like that. That'll do absolutely anything to get you to that next level. And I mean, you had all the talent in the world from what it seemed like. So let's talk a little bit about your high school career. So during your freshman season, were you on JV or like towards the end of the year, did you finally make that transition to varsity? Uh, no, so my freshman year, I was just on the uh, the freshman A team. That's oh, kind okay. of Creek. No one really gets back then. No one really got moved up early. Um, so I didn't, I didn't start playing on bars until my second year in high school. Oh, okay. So, so at the start of your sophomore year, did you immediately know that you were going to be on varsity, or was it kind of like a, I guess you could say, shocking thing for you? Like a coach, you know, one of the coaches randomly came up to you and said, "Hey, Alon, you're going to be on varsity this upcoming year." And also, did you start your first season on varsity? Yeah, so I got moved up the spring of my freshman year. 
to varsity. So I was like a freshman in the locker room in the springtime. Okay. Then I had a senior in front of me, actually. I guess I just ended up beating him out in fall camp. So I was Damn, okay. first game of sophomore year till end of my career. So. so during your time at Timber Creek, were there any kind of notable opponents that you played? Like, I know, obviously, y'all went up against schools like Ditton Geyer, South Lake Carroll. But were there any players that stood out to you, you know, most specifically on the defensive side of the football that you faced during your high school career? Yeah, I would say, honestly, I played some um, – some highly recruited DNs, like there's a dude from Byron Nelson. He went to, I think he might've gone to TCU. Uh, I don't know his name, but uh, it was actually the guys that were under-recruited that, you know, when Juco went to the lower FCS schools that I, I felt like were the best players because they they were so hungry. And um, like, there's a guy from Guy that was really good from Denton Ryan that was really good. It was those under-recruited guys that I thought were the hardest to go against. So. I absolutely agree with you because I feel like those guys, they don't get their name out there as much, but they're some of the most hardworking athletes you literally will find across the whole country. But yeah. um, but so going into your junior year, you know, after so I'm guessing during your sophomore year, you had a pretty solid year if you, you know, were still staying starting on varsity. So going into your junior year, were there any type of goals that you had like, OK, I'm going to you know, get an offer from this school or that school, or I'm going to get us to this part of the playoffs or kind of what was your mindset going into your junior year of high school? Because I have to guess you were probably starting to get a little bit more attraction when it came to recruiting. Yeah. So my going into my junior year, I was still, you know, not, not one of the old guys in the team yet. So most of my goals were kind of individual in a way. Um, you know, I really wanted to get an all state selection, all district, and just get some type of attention from like any, any schools at all. Like I was, hoping for D2, D1, it didn't matter to me. So it was really just about getting my name out there and really getting bigger and bigger. I got you. I got you. So if you don't mind sharing, what were the kind of the first schools that came up to you and actually offered you? Was it during your junior year or did it, you know, not come until your senior year? Yeah, so they, my first offer was uh, a week after my junior year ended. Oh, okay. Uh, it, was, it was SMU. They are my first offer. I got you. And, I got uh, you. You know, it started – it was like a snowball effect after that. It was – schools like every week coming in talking to me offering me um, I actually ended up in the SMU 300 for a minute until I committed to SMU and they dropped me out of it but so. I, yeah unfortunately with those rankings sometimes they're so misleading because a lot of these guys that are in the top 300 for ESPN or you'll see you know three four five stars they're normally sometimes not better than a lot of you know borderline three stars borderline two stars that absolutely ball out at the next level you know guys like Josh Allen you know, starting quarterback for the Bills, who wasn't even ranked and, you know, had to go the JUCO route and then went to Wyoming and everything. But no, I got you. I mean, were there any other uh, schools that you were looking at besides SMU? I know SMU is probably a little bit more attractive because they offered you first and you would be staying at home. But were there any other schools that you were kind of interested in? Um, yeah, I was considering Nebraska and Iowa State. Iowa State was definitely probably second on my list at the time. Um, okay. Coach Matt Campbell is a great dude. and Ab Absolutely. I would really love to play for him, but it was just – you know, too far from home, but actually uh, TCU was my dream school growing up. So, I, I, f I figured because, you know, being, you know, Keller's literally like the yeah. north part of Fort Worth, a lot of people in this area, they dream, you know, especially athletes, they want to go to TCU or they want to go to A&M and a lot of these local schools. But so did you ever kind of talk with any TCU coaches? Did they ever have any type of interest in you or for just pretty much from the get go? Did you know it was just going to be SMU? They had a little bit of interest. I went on a visit one time, but I didn't really feel like they necessarily wanted me very much. So I kind of got the feeling I wasn't going to get the offer. So SMU was going to be my choice. I got you. I got you. So um, so going into your senior year, 
once again, so during your junior year, sorry, I don't mean to backtrack, but during your junior year, did you gain any type of accolades, any awards, you know, all district, all state? Did you, because I, I can't really seem to find anything. So I figured it'd be better to ask you firsthand. So were there any awards that you got at the end of your junior year? Yeah, so I ended up being a third team all state. And then I was all district, all area. Um, I think I had almost the most knockdowns in the state. Damn, okay. Okay. So I, had a good, I had a really good junior year. So I was very, really motivated that year to get attention brought to me. So now, okay. So now going into your senior year of high school, you know, kind of your final year to, I guess you could say, prove it to all these other schools that they're missing out on something special. What was your mindset? And I know I said it for your junior year, but what was your mindset going into your senior year that, you know, kind of drove you to get, you know, to where you are now? That, that year was really more about the team because uh, we had never won a playoff game at Timber Creek. And I was, I grew up with all these dudes from, you know, middle school to then. So the main yeah. goal was to win a playoff game. And uh, that was all I was focused on. I wasn't, I was already committed to SMU before the season. So it was all about the team and, you know, we ended up doing it. So uh, it was a pretty special year though. I was about to say, it's got to be a good feeling, you know, especially your final year there. And yeah. are there any guys you want to shout out real quick from that team or any guys you grew up with and, you know, that you still are very close with today that also were on that team with you? Uh, yeah, Eric is a combo. Just got drafted by the Dolphins was on that team. Uh, Cade Schrader, our quarterback. Um, a little bigger mana, middle linebacker, Jerome Jackson. He's at Liberty. Okay, okay. So, yeah, I, I completely forgot Eric did go to Timber Creek because yeah, he just – Talented team that year. I missed, but I mean, once again, I mean, y'all were a really solid team, like you said, and I mean, at least y'all finally were able to get the first playoff win in Timber Creek history. And for the people out there that don't know, Timber Creek is a relatively new high school. It was made back in 2009. So, you know, before y'all start jumping on, you know, Alon's case or anything like that, they are a pretty recent high school. But anyway, so let's talk about the start of your career at SMU. So going into your first spring, uh, spring camp, spring practices and everything like that. What was it kind of like? Because I know definitely, you know, even SMU, it's still a really big program. Kind of what, what did it feel like, I guess? And kind of what was your experience during that first spring? Uh, you know, I think – so I came in the summer. Yeah, we came in the summer first because the spring's when your next uh, semester. But it was definitely a culture shock because you know, you're at your high school, you're the man, you're the, the best dude in the team. And you get there and you're – I'm looking, I'm like fourth in the rot, the depth chart. So it was definitely an adjustment. Um just being around a bunch of like really good football players. So it's a bit of an adjustment. I got you. So, and obviously you did end up red shirt in your freshman year. Once again, like you said, due to just being so far down on the depth chart and how, how did it kind of, you know, what, 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 sorry, I can't, can't talk right now. What type of positive things came out of you red shirting your freshman year in college? And, you know, what did, you know, what did those certain things you still use to this day that you learned from that first season being red shirted? Uh, it definitely humbled me as a football player, but it also brought back the drive and the love for the game because when you don't play it for a year, you know, you're like, you miss it so much. And uh, that really taught me to not take anything for granted, you know, going down the line and just really motivated me to never be not playing football for a, a year straight. So I got you. So once again, I can imagine after your freshman year, you were more hungry than ever to actually be able to start going into your sophomore year. So let's talk a little bit about the beginning of your sophomore year and the spring of your sophomore year. So during that time period, did you know where you were going to end up on the depth chart? Did you know if you were going to be starting? Kind of what was your mindset going into that spring? So that's when uh, Coach Morris left, went to Arkansas, and Coach Dykes came in. So it was really – I had no idea what was going to happen at all. Um, I was – 
we got to fall camp. I think I was the third right guard in the depth chart. So I still wasn't anywhere close to where I wanted to be. So that was a bit uh, discouraging, I guess, before the season started. Did, did also at that time, did you have any intentions on transferring? Because I know when you get recruited by certain coaching staffs and once they leave, sometimes you'll see a lot of players transfer out due to the fact that, you know, they were recruited by those coaches. Did you ever, you know, have any feelings that you wanted to transfer or did you know that you were going to stick it out with the Mustangs? I knew I was going to stick it out. I'm a man of my word. And I knew eventually I would start just because of my work ethic. So I was always going to stay there and stick it out. I got you. So let's talk a little bit about your sophomore year and your first year, actually, or well, no, your redshirt freshman year, you know, your first season actually getting some action. So what was the first game that you actually played in during your sophomore year? So the first game year? I ever actually played it in started was uh, at Michigan, actually. Oh, shoot. Okay. So that, yeah, that must that must have definitely been a complete culture shock, you know, playing at the big house with 100,000 fans just absolutely yelling. Oh, yeah, you're looking – look across the line, see Rashawn Gary, Chase Winovich, Devin oh. Bush. It's definitely a, a college football moment for sure. And the crazy part, all those guys are starting right now in the NFL. <laughs> That's yeah. the craziest part. But, you know, I know obviously that game definitely did not go y'all's way. I briefly remember watching it. This final score was 40-something to seven, right, if I'm correct? I think it was 45 at 13, something like that. Oh, okay. But obviously, you know, just super talented Michigan team. But how did how did actually playing Michigan and that being your first ever game you started kind of positively impact the team and yourself? Because that's like the top talent throughout the whole country that you played in your first ever game in college. So that definitely had to be kind of a morale boost knowing that, you know, hey, you know, this, this is the best of the best and, you know, I, I feel like I can dominate from now on. Yeah, I definitely – it was a confidence boost because I played pretty well, and I was like, well, it really doesn't get much better than Michigan. So I, if I can play against them, I can play against anybody. And it kind of gave our whole team – because at halftime it was a close game. We just didn't have the depth to finish the game out. But we had a, it was a little confidence brewing after that game with the program. So I got you. Yeah, and I mean, that's obviously a huge accomplishment, the fact that you were able to start, especially against Michigan, because once again, that's one of the – blue bloods in all of college football history but anyway so throughout your whole sophomore year how did that go how did you know how many games did you start and do you feel like you know you're starting to gain some momentum in the college football landscape yes I ended up starting the the rest of the games that year um and we we struggled to begin the season as a team and then we started to pick it up in conference play you know just getting used to the new staff with coach Dykes um, but I started to, you know, really gain confidence towards the end of the year. The game started to slow down a little bit. Um, and I wasn't, you know, going out there with, you know, uh, seeing ghosts and stuff like that. So it got better as the year went on. Okay. So you just went from being Sam Darnold and kind of, you know, transitioned into a full ledge pro. I got, I got yeah. you. Well, first but, uh, game was crazy. Yeah. I mean, hell, when you're playing Michigan, your first game, I, <laughs> I can only imagine how crazy that could be. But, um, anyway, uh, so, so I forgot, did y'all play in a bowl game during your uh, red shirt freshman year? No, we missed out the last game of the season. Okay, okay. So, but at the end of your red shirt freshman year, you know, how did you feel? Did you feel like you accomplished all that you wanted personally? And obviously I know as a team, y'all didn't accomplish everything that y'all wanted, but were you, feel, were, were you feeling pretty positive that the future was really bright with SMU? I definitely did. Uh, that was all I wanted to do was just play that year. So I accomplished that goal. And then I could feel we just had a lot of confidence, like brewing within the team because Shane Bouchelle was going to transfer in. So we had him coming. Hey, and, hey, you're yeah. getting you're getting ahead. I was, I was about to start talking about when he transferred from UT to y'all. But anyway, so also another thing I want to talk about is Coach Dykes' offense, because 
I know a lot of people don't really talk about it a lot, but his dad actually was a head coach at Texas Tech way back in the day. And I didn't even know this till my uncle told me a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, his offense is, you know, very high energy, highly explosive, like, you know, one and done type of drive. So what kind of change was that playing from Coach Morris's offense to playing to Coach Dykes's offense? Because I know as linemen as well, y'all still have to adapt because a lot of different blocking schemes and also a lot of different pass protections. Yeah, I think um, it was a bit of an adjustment. We were playing really fast that first year, two years with Lashley. Um, I think the misconception, though, is that people don't think we run the ball, which we run the ball at least, you know, 20-something times a game. So it's actually like a – it's a physical, fast-paced offense I would describe it as. I got you. I got you. See, and, you know, being as a TCU fan, growing up as a TCU fan, I've, you know – always watched y'all and always like that and I could definitely tell when coach Dykes came that momentum was finally starting to you know go in y'all's direction and as much as it pains me to say it I was kind of happy for y'all but <laughs> but anyway so after your redshirt freshman year and going into your uh, redshirt sophomore year what were some expectations and some you know just goals that you had for yourself going into that season uh, so that's what uh, that's the year I got moved to center actually and um, you know I just wanted to be you know more of a leader on the team uh, more of a vocal guy. It was still more, I was still just trying to figure out, you know, the position because I never played center before. So that was also a new experience for me. So I was just really worried about winning games and just trying to be a leader on the team that year. So so how did that transition from guard to center? Because, I mean, I can't imagine, especially doing it at the college level, you know, D1, FBS level. I can't imagine how, was it difficult for you or would you say you kind of just slacked it off and it became like natural after a while? I had my I had my struggles at first, just um, you know, I mean, having to snap the ball behind you is never easy. But um, I had my struggles at first. Then my confidence built, and I actually ended up, you know, loving being center. You know, making all the calls and having the ball in my hand. You know, to start to play. So, I mean, because you're you're practically the second quarterback on that team. I mean, you can also make changes as well. You know, if you mm -hmm. see a certain you know formation in the defense, you can call you know play to the opposite side or anything like that. So, I mean. At least there was some pluses to being center. But anyway, let's talk about your red shirt sophomore year. So how did that season go? And, you know, what accolades did you you rack up at the end of the season? So that year was uh, definitely our best year at SMU. We It was just kind of one of those weird things where we just caught fire. And, you know, we had so much confidence, especially after the TCU game. Uh, that was big for our program. Man, 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 man. And, uh, you know, we just, you know, we just started racking up wins and, you know, ended up fin finishing 10 and three, I think, lost our bowl game. But yeah. um, it was, you know, a really fun year and changed how everyone thought about SMU at the time. I mean, it was crazy because I remember, I remember specifically watching that game back in 2019. And I was like, people really don't understand how good Shane Bouchelle is because obviously Sam Ellinger took over at Texas. Shane really never got another chance. So then he ended up transferring to y'all. But I mean, he fit that offense like, like, you know, when they say two peas in a pod, I mean, literally, he fit he fit Coach Dykes' offense so perfectly. And, I mean, obviously, the results showed. I mean, y'all had, I mean, one of y'all's best seasons in years. So, so I definitely, I guess, I mean, I can only imagine how big of a morale boost that was for that whole coaching staff and, and y'all as a whole players because, you know, y'all just got off a season where y'all barely missed a bowl game. And, you know, y'all kind of were not down in the dumps, but, you know, y'all did have some expectations for the future, but – you know, still, you dog probably didn't expect to be able to go 10 and three and, you know, beat y'all's biggest rival in TCU. Exactly. Yeah. 
So going into your uh, redshirt junior year, now this is the COVID season, right, back in 2020. And so kind of let me know about your experience with the whole COVID situation and kind of how it impacted, you know, your, uh, not recovery, but kind of your workouts and just how it impacted y'all season as a whole. Because I know y'all were still really solid that season because Shane Bouchelle absolutely balled out that year again but kind of let us you know kind of let us know a little bit what it was like behind the scenes you know for the players and all the you know certain things that you had to go through yeah I think COVID really hurt our momentum as a program because we were you know firing all cylinders and when you take three months away from everybody you don't even see anybody it kind of takes away from the momentum you had going and I really think also the we finally had expectations to win so I think a, a little bit we started to feel the pressure of we need like we're expected to win now so it's a little different when you go out there and play because um was it the texas state game i think y'all barely i think mm. y'all barely beat texas state and everyone kind of just assumed you know oh y'all are done for y'all shouldn't be ranked and everything like that how did that kind of negatively impact y'all because i know once again the media is some of the most toxic just things on the face of the earth and i mean it's it's sad but it's true but at the end of the day you know how did how did y'all kind of go through that adversity of being told, you know, y'all don't deserve this, y'all don't deserve that, and, you know, just using it to y'all's advantage and achieving the goals that y'all did set for yourselves? Because, once again, this was a short season. Y'all weren't able to prepare as much, but y'all still had a very solid season. Yeah, I think Coach Dykes, is, first of all, does a great job of, uh, you know, keeping us level-headed and uh, keeping us even-keeled. He never gets too high, too low, and he never – he always tells us, don't worry about the media. They don't, they don't know what we're doing inside this program, so – we knew the Texas State game would be like that just because, you know, we we had three months off in the summer and we didn't have our chemistry back. So, you know, we knew it was going to be a, a hard-fought game, so we weren't too concerned about it. I got you. I got you. So, and this was also the last year of Shane Bouchot's. He would go into the NFL, but y'all also, you know, got blessed with another quarterback in the in the face of former Oklahoma quarterback Tanner Mordecai. Now, let me know a little bit about Tanner Mordecai, kind of, you know, his play style and everything like that and, you know, what you kind of liked, from you know, when you first saw him. So yeah, Tanner's a super competitive dude. One of the most competitive guys I've been around. Uh, we ended up being, you know, pretty close friends. Um, he's he's a really athletic quarterback. That he's sneaky athletic. Um, you know, I would consider him more like a gunslinger. He's a cannon of an arm. A uh, great leader, great competitor. I just yeah, get a bunch of good things to say about him. So I got you. I got you. So and this finally leads us into your probably most successful season so far in your college career, and this would be your redshirt senior year but also you still have that one-year eligibility from COVID. But anyway, let me know some of the expectations that you had for yourself going into this redshirt senior year. And, and did you see yourself achieving all of this, you know, all of the things that you did achieve in this season? Yeah, so I, I think I had a – I feel like I had a down year, the 2020 year, and I was, you know, super motivated to come back and prove a lot of people wrong. Some people were saying, you know, there's a freshman center behind me that could start over me, and I was just – very, very motivated to prove everybody wrong and getting moved from center to left tackle to right tackle and still, you know, performing at a high level. Um, it was a really fun, probably the most fun year of football I've had playing. I was about to say, because when you look at all these impressive stats that you put up, because, I mean, I'm just looking strictly off the page that SMU has for you right now. You help them to, to national rankings of ninth in scoring offense in the country, 13th in total offense, 14th in passing offense, and 17th in sacks allowed. Now, 
that is beyond solid, especially, you know, with, you know, the American conference that had, you know, Cincinnati absolutely explode onto the scene. You also had UCF still being very solid. And, you know, the AAC was kind of was starting to get a little bit more respect. So let me know a little bit of, you know, kind of playing in that conference, because, I mean, that conference, in my opinion, was a little bit more tough than some power five conferences during the 2021 season. Yeah, I would I would say uh, the American this past year was very strong. Houston was another team that. Oh, was, I, my bad. I forgot to yeah. <laughs> I forgot to say about Houston. Yeah, I mean, Cincinnati, that was I felt like I was playing Michigan all over again. When we played Cincinnati. I mean, they were, you know, they had I don't know how many guys drafted like eight or nine, but just like. Oh, real quick. My bad. My bad. I don't mean to interrupt you. I was about to ask, what was it like playing against Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner? You know, Sauce Gardner being a top 10 pick in this year's draft and then Kobe Bryant being, I don't know how he fell that late, but being a second round pick to the Seahawks. What was it like playing a defense like that that was super talented on the outsides, but then also on the line as well because they had an edge rusher. I don't remember his name, but I know he did end up getting drafted. Yeah, Yeah, Monty Sanders, he was a – we actually played against each other a lot that game. I was at left tackle, so I got to see him. Oh a lot. shoot! Okay, so how how would you say that game went? Would you say you won most of it, or do you feel like it was kind of even? Uh, I would say I won most of the fast rush reps. That was when okay. I was coming off my uh, MCL injury, but I oh, still. Okay. I think if you look at the film, I won most of those uh, pass rush reps. But he's a he's a great player, really good athlete. Um, I mean, absolutely. And I mean, I've, I guess that's got to definitely be a good morale boost for you because all of those guys ended up. You know, and they probably will end up being future NFL stars. So, so how kind of was the energy after that game? I know y'all didn't win that, but y'all definitely gave them fits that Cincinnati team. So, kind of what was you know some you know good keys that you took away from playing against a team that literally went to the college football playoff and gave Alabama Alabama their money's worth. Yeah, I think uh, even when you play a team like that, it definitely grows you up as a as a team. Because um, it's just they have they had a level of intensity that I hadn't seen from anybody else in the, in the conference. It was just different when you stepped in that field with them. You felt how intense they were and how hard they played. So I definitely took that and, you know, try to give that same intensity every game. I got you. I got you. So let's talk about the end of y'all season. And, you know, unfortunately, y'all were expected to go play. Was it um, was it Virginia or Virginia? Yeah, it was Virginia because y'all were expected to go play. And it was the Pinstripes Bowl, right? Yeah. Okay, or the so, Fenway Bowl. Oh, yeah. Fenway. Fenway. Okay. Damn, yeah, I know Yankee fans are about to kill my ass for that. But anyway, but y'all were expected to go play in the Fenway Bowl. And then unfortunately, due to a COVID outbreak in the Virginia, uh, I think that it was their program, right, that broke out with COVID. Yes. I remember, yeah, was, they broke out with COVID. And the game ultimately had to end up being canceled. So kind of what was kind of the, the energy in the locker room after that, knowing that, especially for the seniors, that they wouldn't be able to play that final game in the SMU jersey? Yeah, I think our guy, we were super excited to play that game. Uh, you know, guys, they just wanted to go out and play one more time because that team was so close. You know, we were a really tight locker room, and I think we just wanted one more shot to play together, and especially playing, you know, Fenway Park would be amazing. But, uh, yeah, they had the outbreak, and it just didn't work out for us. I mean, I know that's definitely – definitely has got to hurt a little bit, especially for the guys, you know, because y'all – SMU also had a decent amount of guys get drafted too this year, most notably mm-hmm. Reggie Roberson, who I've been really high on. I've said it in multiple episodes. I absolutely love the fact that he's kind of like a utility tool. You can put him in the slot. You can put him, you know, almost in the running back position or even outside wide receiver. And yeah. I forgot – um, which what was the guy that got drafted to the 49ers? I'm so sorry. Uh, Danny Gray. Yes, yes. Absolute, absolute speedster. And I mean, 
I mean, just y'all's team was so talented, and obviously that would have been really cool to see y'all play another high-powered offense in Virginia that has you know Brennan Armstrong starting for him. But anyway, enough about that. Let's talk a little bit more, a little bit more about the accolades that you actually racked up at the end of the season because you finally got your your first ever All AAC honor, which that's got to feel really good, right? Yeah, that was that was super validating for all the the work I put in last year, definitely. And I mean, also, I'll just list off a couple of things that you did get nominated for. You had the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl invite, DCTF All-State College second team, Phil Steele All-AAC third team, NFL PA Collegiate Bowl big board, College Gridiron Showcase watch list. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So, so, and and also, I know during this time too, the whole SMU community, y'all, you know, y'all heard about, you know, Gary Patterson stepping down and, what was kind of the you know reaction throughout the locker room knowing that you know coach dykes was definitely one of the more highly you know one of the guys that was going to be more highly likely to get the tcu job and we all kind of bracing for him to end up leaving yeah i think when uh you know you're at a school you know that's in a group of five you're if you're successful successful you know your coach is going to be wanted by uh big time programs and that's something you just kind of got to get ready for you know what you're signing up for when you go to a group of five school um but I mean, when a coach has an opportunity to, you know, help his family out and, you know, live his dream of coaching, you know, power five, big 12 school, like you can't, you can't fault him for that at all. So. Absolutely. And I agree with you because I know, you know, even with, I mean, just, I remember when Gary stepped down and obviously when Sonny, you know, came over to replace him, a lot of people were giving him slack for leaving SMU, but at the same time, put yourself in his situation, you would do that in a heartbeat. But I mean, you're helping out, you know, your staff, that's they were asking me with you because they're getting obviously, you know, raises and they're going to have a better job. They go to Fort Worth as well. So I got you. So, um, just, so obviously coach Dykes leaves for us or not for SMU, leaves for TCU and, you know, you end up entering the transfer portal. And did you know from that instant that you were going to end up going to TCU or were there actually some other schools that you were interested in joining? No, I was, I entered the portal. My, I was, I had an open mind to any school that, you know, wanted to have me so I was just in the portal um obviously I knew uh TC would be a good option but I also I was keeping an open mind just in case you know other schools had good offers for me I got you I got you so what were kind of the your finalists to land you when you did end, end up entering the transfer portal you said what uh, uh what were your finalists to land you once you did enter the transfer portal and you were about to make your decision um so I had a couple schools in the SEC that wanted me pretty good um, but you know when I came back on my visit to TCU my official here and I saw all the coaches again it's been it had been probably a month since I've seen them um, so seeing them again just reminded me how much I love the culture with you know coach Dykes and our strength coach coach Kaz it's just a great culture and I knew I didn't want to be anywhere else really also shout out to coach oh there we go can you hear me now yeah. Oh God, my my thing just came out. Anyway, so how, so how do you actually pronounce his name? Is it Coach Kaz or Coach Cause? Coach Cause. Coach Cause. Okay. Coach Cause easily is one of the more underrated strength and conditioning coaches in all of college football. Like I don't think he I don't think he gets talked about enough because for what he's done at SMU and what he's going to be doing at TCU, I think he definitely needs to be talked about a little bit more. And obviously, you know that better than anyone because you you've experienced him throughout all what five six years that you've been in college. So. Yeah. But um, anyway, so when you were going to make your decision, 
was it pretty simple? You knew TCU was going to be, you know, the school that you were going to go to. You were going to go follow your old head coach and Sonny Dykes and, you know, play your final year of college football back home in Fort Worth. Yeah, I mean, that was both those reasons. I mean, my coach is here and I get a chance to play in my hometown for my, you know, my dream school as a child. So it was really a no-brainer. And all my close friends at SMU understood that. And, they, you know, as long as they know why I left, then that's all that really matters. I got you. I got you. So now going into spring practice, you know, what were some expectations that you held personally for yourself and then also for the team? Because once again, whole new coaching staff, absolute. And, you know, just being there up front and personal, it's a complete culture, you know, just culture change because Gary was more about business, no kidding or anything like that. And the coach Dykes, you know, he likes to have a little bit of fun because, I mean, one of y'all's practices, y'all ended up playing kickball at the end. So, yeah. But just let me know a little bit about some of the expectations that you held for yourself and TCU going into this 2022 season. Um, so going into spring, I really just wanted to, you know, get to know the guys better and develop some chemistry with them. Um, I think we definitely did that. I think I saw the O-line grow a lot this spring. They really improved and our chemistry has gotten a ton better. Uh, I think throughout the whole team, you've seen just the morale go up and the whole team chemistry really change. So I think it was a very successful spring. I got you. I got you. So um so going into spring practice were you expected I mean because Steve pretty much has the center spot already secured he's been there for past couple years now so were you okay with making that transition back out to guard or are you going to kind of be used pretty much along the whole offensive line um so I think it'll probably be announced uh, fall camp but me and Steve can both play center okay Uh, we can both play guard so I think it's once we get into fall camp, you know, we'll we'll both play, see what the better combo is. But either way, you know, both of us can play either spot. I got you. I mean, once again, yeah. y'all are both super talented guys. I mean, y'all both excelled, obviously, at the biggest level of college football at the center position. So it makes sense to kind of do that 1A, 1B type of thing where, you know, just y'all both are able to take snaps at that position. So I didn't even realize that. I didn't know if Steve was going to have to go back out to guard, you were going to play at center or, you know, vice versa. But no, I mean, so obviously spring practice has come and gone. What were some, you know, kind of the keynotes that you took away from that spring practice and you feel like, you know, this team is completely different than years in the past? Uh, I think the offensive line is a lot better than I anticipated coming in. You know, Steve's obviously a great, great player, going to be, you know, a top three-round draft pick, no like, no doubt. Um, you got Andrew Coker, great tackle. Brandon Coleman's really, really good, super athletic. So I think I was more surprised at how good everybody was. And um, I think with Coach Ricker coming in to help, you know, kind of refine some things and get some more technique in there, uh, we have a chance to be really good. I got you. And I mean, once again, this whole new coaching staff, I personally feel like, and I mean, you can let me know as well. I feel like it's finally brought some energy that's been needed for this TCU program because, I mean, once again, y'all are firing on all cylinders. Y'all are having energy every single practice. And once again, these coaches, they feel a little bit more like their players' coaches. You know that better than anyone because you know you had them at SMU so do you think their transition from SMU to TCU you know they're kind of still the same coaches that they were back at SMU but they just brought the same energy over to TCU yeah I think definitely you know you can walk around the coach's office you can go into any of their offices sit down talk with them about anything you know, they're super laid-back guys but uh, they really they honestly do care about you as a person which is I think hard to fight at the college level and they really do I absolutely agree with you I mean that's that's what you want out of a coach, especially when you're playing at the level of college football that y'all are playing at. So 
But anyway, so going into this 2022 season, what are some expectations that you hold for yourself and the team as a whole? You know, for me, I think it's just uh, playing consistently week in and week out, not having, you know, three really good games and one kind of down game. Uh, I just want to be super consistent. And as a team, you know, I think the goal is to win the Big 12 championship and uh, kind of get TCU back on the map where they were for the past, you know, 20 years. So, hey, I'm absolutely excited to see y'all play as y'all's first game will be up in Boulder, Colorado. So are you excited about playing up in Colorado, you know, especially the first game of the season? And what are some expectations that y'all feel like, you know, y'all are going to be able to achieve during that first game? I think it's definitely exciting, you know, getting to play a Pac-12 team. You know, it's going to be a Friday night game, so uh, we'll be in prime time. Uh, it's going to be super exciting just to go up there. I'm sure they're going to have a sold-out crowd for their first game, so uh, it'll be fun. Nah, that's going to be absolutely thrilling to watch. I know as a fan, but I can only imagine as a player how that's going to feel. So, But um, also at the same time, before we do end today's episode, I do want to talk a little bit about what type of, I guess you could say, energy and what type of talent would you be bringing to an NFL team that might be possibly interested in drafting you in next year's draft? Oh, I think they would get a guy that just loves football. I mean, I'm, you can ask, you know, any of my friends, I'm totally immersed in it. Uh, it's just something I've always done my whole life. So they're going to get somebody that just loves the game and um, is really – because I want to coach after. So even though I'm done playing, I want to be a part of football. So football basically is who I am. And, yeah, they're going to get somebody that's going to give them, you know, 110% all the time. I 100% I 100 agree with you. And, man, Alon, it's been an honor to have you on today's podcast. Thank you once again for, you know, just coming on. I know that I'm not the biggest guy out there or anything like that. But thank you again for just coming on and being the real cool guy that you are. No, I appreciate you having me. It was great. Yeah, of course. And, guys, if you are interested in checking out Alon or any of his social medias or just, you know, seeing who he is as a player, I will leave the links down in the description of today's interview. So make sure to go check out my guy Alon absolute one of the most humble guys you will meet definitely will probably end up getting drafted in next year's draft and just make sure to go show him some love for coming on to today's episode so anyway alon it's been an absolute honor my guy and take care and i look forward to watching y'all on september 3rd yes sir appreciate you bro absolutely